most real human progress in the sense of community competence is thwarted by a commitment that there is some way to overcome all, every fallibility. We won't fix each other. Death is not a failure <laughs> in medical technology. And, and so out of that comes the possibility of a competent community. Mm -hmm. Peter Block and John McKnight. We're sitting in a hallway outside a conference room where they've just spent the afternoon meeting with members of ties.com and the Plan Institute for Caring Citizenship. Now the staff here are cleaning up and putting things away, but for these two men, it's still a long day ahead. Their day's been packed with meetings with organizations and community groups who are keen to hear more about Peter and John's ideas on community building and empowerment. I'm here to find out about a book they're working on together, a first, a book that's based in part on their belief that for change to happen, there has to be a complete inversion of thinking. Here's Peter Block. Suppose we thought that followers created leaders. Suppose I believe that a child raises the parent. Now, is it true? Not entirely, but it's useful. And I think that's what both of us try to do is to say, look, if you could think almost in an inverted way from what you're used to, it opens up possibilities that wouldn't be there if you didn't think that way. And I guess, the, I guess what you've also practiced, both of you really, is that you can invert thinking without a crisis or an emergency. That, well, that you can set a tone to the, do that. The, part of the inversion of thinking is the belief that problem solving is helpful. <laughs> All right. And it's not that problem solving isn't helpful. It is helpful. But the urge to problem solve isn't helpful. Yeah, right. So we got to do something. We don't have time for talk. Well, we don't have time for thinking. Yeah. We, gotta, we have to do something. That yeah. moment when you say we have to do something, I know nothing's going to happen. Right. And the subset of problem solving that uh, I think I've been especially interested in is the subset that solves problems by fixing people. <laughs> right? Huge. Yeah. See, this is, this is the gift I've gotten from John. So much of my language came from John, and part of the language is the focus on gifts. Well, and you, both of you have found different ways to articulate the notion that it, it, we aren't there to solve problems. We're there to look for solutions or gifts or assets. Or possibilities. Or possibilities. Yeah. You talk about possibilities, you talk about assets. Right? Yeah. So now you're working on a book together. How, how did, you didn't just phone each other up one day and say, let's write a book. Yeah, you? I want to hear John's version of that. <laughs> okay. I have my story about okay, it. Good. It won't John, change, but I'd like John, you to go Mr. first. Mr. McKnight, please, the truth. So we have been in various kinds of discussions in various places. And one time, uh, Peter said to, to me, uh, I don't know what I was talking about at the moment, but he said, you ought to write a book about that. And uh, everything he says, I say he should write a book. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was perfectly clear to me that I had, th I had had that thought every year for 74 years <laughs> and never done it. <laughs> and and uh, so I said, Peter, the one thing I'm sure in the time I have left will not happen is I'm going to write a book. <laughs> and he said, why don't we write it together? And I thought, now, this is the thing that, yeah, that, that will now. make it a, a wonderful experience rather than the drudgery that I think it would have been and for me, so that's how it happened. Now I'm looking at uh, Peter for the real story, or the other real story. <laughs> well, just that. 
John said, I have a book in me that I will never write. <laughs> and you're the only one I know that I can imagine writing that with. Are you interested? So as my grade nine English teacher asked me, what is it about? Not, don't tell me the plot, but what is it really, what is the book going to be about? It, uh, I think the, the book is about the possibility that living a life of true and real satisfaction is available for all of us. And it's only available if you stop trying to purchase it. It's, it's about also the nature of a culture that supports the values of community. And uh, cultures have answers, but the words are not in rules. Uh, governments have rules <laughs> that define the answers. Embedded in culture is a set of relationships and behaviors, right, that I don't think usually are motivated by problem solving. That's <laughs> a modern institutional idea, but they're motivated by what, what do we want to do? Mm and how will we do it? And uh, I don't think that's from the world of problem solving. That's from the world of living together today and tomorrow and, and making a way that survives and, mm. and satisfies. Most real human progress in the sense of community competence is thwarted by a commitment that there is some way to overcome all, every fallibility. And mm. once that commitment sinks into the culture, then you turn to technology management Program. and systems and programs, right. right? So a starting point as well is, I will be born alone mm. and die alone and I will have companions along the way, every one of them with troubles and mm -hmm. defects. Isn't that the way it is? Now we can do something together. We won't fix each other. And, and that is not a problem to be solved. <laughs> yes. Death is not a failure in medical technology. And, and so out of that comes the possibility of a competent community. Mm. Yes. It's so not the TV commercial of what life is. And a culture helps one live with fa fallibility. Uh -huh. Authentic culture. What shall I do about your death? Well, together we'll grieve. And our culture knows about grieving. Mm. We know how suffering, right, feels and we know that we will pray with you as you suffer, mm. we will hold your hand, we will sing with you, we'll sing to you, we'll put our hand on your forehead, right? As you suffer, we have a way. Also, if you're hungry, I have the capacity to feed you. 
you know, there is enough and, and a, a competent community is one that recognizes its capacity to take care of itself, take care of each other. And uh, So can you talk to me a little bit about, you have identified a number of areas that, that are really about a healthy or about a community that can care for itself. Or is competent or a vital yeah. community. Yeah. yeah. What, can you tell me about those and, and, and how they, what, what well, they mean Well, it's also, really? if you ask yourself, what does it require to live a good life, a life of satisfaction? And there are only a certain number of things. It's not that complicated. One is, I, I want to learn how to raise a child, an educated child, and I don't want to have to depend on the schools to do that. I want to be healthy. And the older you get, the more, er, more interested you get in that and what constitutes health. Well, con health is determined by the way you live, what you eat, not by the medical profession. I want to feel secure and safe. And safety is determined by eyes on the street, not by more police. I want to care for the land, all right? And, and the government is not going to fix that for me. And corporations are not going to fix that for me. If I stop buying these products, they will stop selling them. You know, I, I care for the vulnerable, the elderly, the disabled. And that's all about creating a circle of support. That's all that the plan is about. And these are the things that matter. And food. I need to get smart about having some control over the food that I eat and where it comes from. And if I think back, so what makes me happy? These are the things that make me happy. And it's ironic that here we are in this unbelievably wired culture where we've, you know, developed amazing technology that just grows so fast that we can't even keep up with it. Right. That in many cases we came up with those technologies to to solve those. We thought yes. we could we thought we could purchase or invent the means of solving these problems. Yes. Or we built these large institutions and looked to them to solve them right. for yeah. us. How's it Discovered. going? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. the people say, well, we need great schools. <laughs> I know we need great schools. How's it going? <laughs> we need more sophisticated medical care. We need to cover everybody. You're right, we do. How's that going? Yeah. But I don't get the sense that you're attacking those institutions. You're just recognizing that they, limits. They, they have limits. They, they can they, only do so much. That's right. That's it's right. our expectations is the problem. It's not their delivery. <laughs> I don't want a more efficient medical system. That's not the problem. Now they want to get efficient, God bless them. And we're not separate from that. John yeah. worked for years in a, in a university. Right. You know? So I know you, uh, I heard you speak the other day, and you did speak about those institutions as service providers yeah. and that they should be servants to the greater community. Yeah. You must get some pushback when you speak in those terms from those kind of institutions because they've changed in their ideal of what they do, haven't they? Do they not think that they're the problem solvers and that they're going to solve yeah. all these things for us? Oh, I think leadership of a lot, a lot of modern institutions no longer have this godlike pretension. Mm. I think there is a, a growing sophistication about the limits mm. both of the institutional's uh, output and of the community's responsibility, they would put it, that's not so, so much uh, capacity. And I think they can't imagine how without what they are and what they do, the income structure 
would exist. I mean, in a funny way, what would we do if we didn't do this to feed the baby? I mean, it's a, it's a very real reality in terms of thinking of another possibility. Mm. Systems are aware of their own limitations. That's right. <laughs> and I don't get pushback from them. Okay. Nobody ever argues with me. <laughs> they just despair that change is possible. They just say, everything you say is, makes sense, it's common sense. It's not that complicated, because we understand it, so it couldn't be that complicated. <laughs> so they're but stuck, they say though. it's not possible. But they're stuck. But they, they, they feel stuck, and, and they're interested. So, I mean, uh, is part of the answer finding ways to bring those two groups together to work in a different way so the expectation changes and that the relationship between the institution and the community changes? Is that part of it or? I don't know. You know, I, I don't need you to change my expectations. And so I think we're trying to work with citizens and regular people and just say, would you please change your expectations? Would you invert your thinking? And if you want to a healthy child and a healthy body and a healthy neighborhood, you have it in your power to create it. It's not an argument against systems. They serve a function, they're important, they are an economic base for the community, but it's more, it's whatever future I want to create more than what I have now won't come from systems. That's the cleanest way I can say it. Right. And so the, over the portal for me is, do you want to create a future distinct from what you got now? And if people are happy with what they got now, save yourself some time and energy. Skip this lecture. <laughs> right. Don't buy this book. But, but the, the longing is great. It's the belief that institutions are godlike in terms of their, of their possibilities. But I think what we're talking about is the incredible possibilities when you understand the failure of those gods. But you have to understand the failure of the gods before probably most people will see that there are incredible possibilities outside of that realm. And also that you then take responsibility for doing something. And I would say that we take responsibility. See, a lot of the message out there now is that I am responsible for my health. I can't keep myself healthy. I can't do it. That we friend as a community. That we we as, a, as a neighborhood, as a community, as the three of us, yeah. as the five of us. There's a friend of mine who's a thoracic surgeon, and he's very interested in how many return customers he gets. And he doesn't want them. And he says, if somebody goes and I break their heart open and put it back together again, all right? And if they don't find a support group after we stop servicing them, they don't have a chance to change their life in a way that they won't come back with another heart attack. They don't have a chance. And maybe that's the point of the book, is to legitimize what is out there now and say instead of oh, this being alternative medicine or something nice, this is what's healing. And maybe we should go to a doctor only as a last resort, or a system as a last resort. Yeah, and that, that the answer is sitting as you say, the, the three people among sitting us. here yeah. or in our community. Not within me, the answer is. It's among us. And we is the sign that you're not alone. And the reason talking about individual reform in a mass society is so useless, I think, 
is because in the face of the large institutions and the mass population and the mass glass eyes called computers and television, <laughs> right? I want you to change, right? It's, it's not the most uh, politically astute observation. Mm -hmm. And the possibility that we can create change, I think, largely depends on whether or not our affiliative life, our associational life, can become much stronger. It's a mindset that says we don't have to be fixed. Well, there are other qualities that have to be present for a community to become competent mm. and a family to become functional. One of them is time. And so community can't exist without time. And so we have to find ways to be together with time that's unscheduled, unfilled. I think we're busy, not because we have a lot to do, but we, it's, it's an escape from connection. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I was out with someone the other day and had what would have, you know, been a normal hour-long time with this person, and they spent the entire time texting other people. Yes. And I had, there was no interaction whatsoever with me, this even though there was a lot of interaction you know, going at on. At that moment, the texter had colonized time. Yes. They thought they were multitasking. Yeah, no, they no. thought they were being with you yes. and texting. Yeah. Exactly. The other, the other thing besides time is silence. That for a community to exist, there has to be space for us to be quiet together, just to sit together, to be together. It's the bear first witness. sign that you're thinking. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Silence is an indication that thought might be occurring. Yes. Yeah. It's the measure of thought, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what silence is. Yeah. It's the measure of thought. Yeah. Well, it's interesting watching the two of you interact, though, too, through the day, that you leave lots of space for thought and to see what happens, as opposed to feeling like you have to fill every second. Yeah. Exactly. That's how we learn. Well, it's also, it creates the idea that listening is an action step. So when people say, what are we going to do? I say, I got a suggestion. Let's do nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put that on your list. <laughs> nothing. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's great. The silence is, an, is the metric. That thinking where there's space for thought. Thank you. John McKnight and Peter Block speaking to me in Vancouver. And by the way, this is the first time these two men have ever been interviewed together. Thanks to the Plan Institute for Caring Citizenship and Ties.com for making this podcast possible. Ties personal networks make it easy to care for one another. You can learn more about Ties by visiting their website at www.ties.com. I'm Robert. We met. Thanks for listening.